Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, we learn these as children. Uh, how many of you would say, since it's a special day, I'm going to mention it like this. How many of you would say that most of the fairy tales that you learned, you learned from your mother? Anybody would? Okay, just me. All right. So, so we learn them from our children. They're burned into our memory. My question has consistently been this. Although we learned them, did we learn from them? So this morning we're going to go into a very uh, uh, well-known fairy tale. In fact, this is probably one of the most well-known. Uh, it has been hijacked from movies uh, over the last few decades and, and changed and it's evolved. I'm going to go back to one of the original versions because original's better. Um, anybody that saw Karate Kid 1 knows that it's better than, okay, so anyway, that's not the fairy tale, but, so, so I'm going to tell you this fairy tale just to refresh your memory, here it goes, once upon a time, I told you they all, all the good ones start like that, once upon a time, there lived a good king and his queen, they had no children for many years, and they were very sad, then one day, the queen gave birth to a lovely baby, baby girl, and the whole kingdom was happy. And there was a grand celebration, and all the fairies in the kingdoms were invited, but the king forgot to invite an old fairy. She came to the celebration, but she was very angry. Soon it was time to give gifts to the baby and special wishes. And the good fairies wished her well and said, May she grow to be the most beautiful girl in the world. She will sing sweetly and dance so well. She will live happily. And all the fairies blessed the baby and gave her beautiful gifts. When it was the old fairy's turn, she said, when the baby is 16, she will touch a spindle and die. And the king and the queen, see, I told you all these, these old fairy tales that we think are all cute and nice, not always, all right. Uh, she will touch a spindle and die. And the king and the queen were shocked and begged the fairy to forgive them and take her words back, but the fairy, the fairy refused to do so. When the other, the other fairies saw the king and queen crying, they said, we cannot undo what the old fairy has spoken, but we can certainly make it different. Your child shall not die when she touches the spindle, but she will fall into a deep sleep for a hundred years. Then a prince will come along and wake her up. Hearing this, the king and the queen were relieved, and the king forbade anyone to do any spinning so that the princess would never touch a spindle. The princess grew up to be a kind girl and helped people in need. Everybody loved her. Years passed, and when the princess was 16 years old, she was walking in the woods when she saw an old lady spinning. What is this? May I try? She asked, and the old lady said, Of course, my pretty little child. I, I wished I could do the, 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 the oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. All right, yeah, 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 the, yeah. And, and the princess sat down to spin, but the moment she touched the spindle, she fell to the floor in a deep slender, and the old lady took her back to the palace and the king and queen laid her on her bed and tucked her in and they were very sad and called the good fairies. The fairies felt sorry for them and cast a spell over the whole kingdom so that when the princess woke uh, up after a hundred years she would not be alone in the palace. Everyone including the guards and the servants and the animals were now fast asleep. For a hundred years they slept soundly. And a hundred years passed. Then came a prince from a far off land Remember that phrase. He, along with his servants, went deep into the forest and crossed many rivers. And once the prince lost his way and was separated from the rest of the travelers, he came to the sleeping kingdom and was amazed. The guards, the servants, the cats, and the cows were all fast asleep and snoring. 
And the prince reached the palace and entered it, and no one moved. And the prince then found the sleeping princess that you know as Sleeping Beauty. And she was such a beautiful girl that the prince kissed her. And by that time, a young, 100 years had passed by, and everyone was waking up one by one. And the princess yawned and opened her eyes, and she saw the prince and smiled. And she asked him, Are you my prince? And he was happy to hear her speak. And the prince and the princess fell in love with each other. And the prince wanted to marry the princess, so they asked permission from their parents. And the king and queen arranged for a royal wedding, and all the clothes the bride wore were a hundred years old, but she looked beautiful. Soon they were married, and then they lived happily ever after. Okay, Disney hijacks that, and it doesn't quite end like all that does, and there are other characters inter interjected, but that's the more like the original version. There is a, an account in Scripture... I can't prove it. I'm probably wrong, but it wouldn't surprise me. There's an account in Scripture that this whole story may be based off of. I, I, if I was writing Sleeping Beauty, I would base it off this account. It's found in Mark chapter 5. Because in Mark chapter 5, uh, we read this story. It begins in verse 21 and then goes down through verse 24. And I'm telling you it does this because there's an interruption. And I want to make the interruption kind of uh, an important little feature that we're not going to read it. But I want you to recognize that the story breaks. So I'm going to tell you, it goes from 21 to 24, then it's picked up back in verse 35. So listen to what happens. When Jesus had, had again crossed over by boat to the other side of a lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Now, the story breaks right there. And in, in verses 25 through verse 34, there's this lady that has an issue of blood that stopped Jesus on his journey to Jairus' house. All right? I'm, just I'm not going to read it. You know this part. Jesus is on his way to deal with sleeping beauty. And he gets interrupted by this lady with an issue of blood. And he heals her. Then we pick the story back up. Just hang on to that thought. Then it goes on in verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And he went in and said to them, while this commotion and wailing, the child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. And he put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. And he went in where the child was. And he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the little girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And at, as, at this, they were completely astonished. And he gave them strict orders not to tell anyone about, him, about this and told them to give her something to eat. So the stories are similar in, in this. Parents experience disaster. Parents who are, uh, are, are blessed with this child in their life, this little girl in their life, experience the darkest night. Their child is in trouble. Their child is experiencing pain. Uh, you got to understand that the, the, in both cases, the child was a child full of life, hope, potential, promise, and now they're overtaken by what looks like 
a curse called death and, and promise is traded in for pain and, and despair is, is replaced and we're replacing destiny and it's that kind of environment that a prince from a far off land arrives in and out of this account the hero walks in and death and sleep is interrupted and a miracle takes place both accounts teach us some lessons that we need to know. In fact, as I thought about this, uh, um, just to be straight up honest with you, I thought through this uh, and remember this uh, fairy tale, and, and I realized that many the lessons that I'm going to point out, the two lessons that I want to point out to you, there's actually three, but only two that you'll write down. Uh, these are lessons that I've taught you before. And I struggled with that, and I wrestled with God during that. And those of you in the house that are preachers will understand this. It's always nice when you show up at a service, and then you're, you're, you've been wrestling with God, and he confirms during the music that you were on the right track. So let me teach you these lessons, because I think maybe somebody must need to hear these this morning. The first one is this. Delay does not equal denial. I want you to notice that, that uh, sometimes time passes, but that doesn't mean that the, that the prince isn't going to show up. In the fairy tale, a hundred years go by, a hundred, a long, long span of time passes, but the prince finally shows up. Uh, then you go into Mark and what you discover, Jesus, I, I don't even like this about Jesus because Jesus seems to be in this pattern. I don't know if you've recognized this. If you've read scripture long enough, you see the pattern too because Jesus has this tendency to wait until things go from bad to worse. Have you, ever, have you ever read the scripture? I mean, think about it. Not just in this account in Mark chapter 5. In this particular account though, he waits until a young lady who is sick and about to die According to the report of the people that came to discourage Jairus, she goes beyond just being sick. She actually dies. But Jesus had this, this tendency to do that. Think about the story of Lazarus. He could have shown up when Lazarus was just sick, but he waits until he dies. Then he waits four days longer. Jesus has this tendency to wait and, and, and to put things off, not because he's a procrastinator, but because Jesus, what we've got to learn is this, is Jesus is never early, but he's always right on time. And so he, he waits, and he, he shows up on time, and the prince knows the perfect time to show up, and so then that puts the, 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 the lesson on us is that we got to hold out hope. we got to hold on. we got to trust his timing. The dilemma with that today is that as Americans, we don't like to wait for anything. I don't even like minute-long popcorn. I want it to be in 30 seconds because minutes too long to wait. I don't want dial-up speed anymore. I want fiber optic. Like I push the button and the website is there right now. And if I have to wait, I'm resetting the internet because I don't like to. Anybody else? Or we want it instantly. We, we've lost the ability to wait. And the lesson this morning is simply this, is that I know you would have liked your prince to show up two months ago. And I know that you would like the prince to have arrived in your situation two weeks ago. And I know that some of you would wish that Jesus would have dealt with your issue two days ago. But we've got to come back to this place where we trust the timing of our prince. And we recognize that just because there's a delay, just because it doesn't happen on our calendar, just because I scheduled Jesus to show up on Thursday and now it's Sunday, I cannot become so frustrated with the timing of the prince that I miss the miracle that the prince is going to bring when he shows up. 
Some of you are to totally frustrated. And so what happens is this. If we're not careful and we experience a delay and, and it seems like we, we, we had set this time frame and this parameter for Jesus to show up now. I've got to have an answer now. I've got to have a breakthrough now. I need you to do a miracle right now. I've got to be healed today. I've got to have finances today. It, the, the dilemma is, is if we experience delays, then a lot of times we'll take matters into our own hands. And delays then result in detours. And I don't even have time to mess with detours because we dealt with detours last week. I just want to tell you once again that you got to be careful about taking matters into your own hand and, uh, and vary, varying your path to, to, to find a result on your own because detours always lead to destruction. You've got to trust him. And then this is what happens. If we... If we don't, if we're not careful, we experience delay. Can I just tell you out of my own life that when I experience delay, one, if I'm not careful, one of the next steps that happens to me is this despair. Anybody else wallow in despair sometimes? Like don't want to get out of bed, pull the covers over your head, kind of despair because he hasn't shown up when you needed him to? Just me. Okay. Uh, and then we become desperate. Desperate people are dangerous people because they'll do anything. They'll do anything but wait. Anybody else done that? Oh, come on now. Uh, can I get some help in the house this morning? Has anybody else out of a, de uh, a place of desperation done things that now you regret, now you wish you hadn't have done, but you were desperate at the time because you were tired of waiting? Can I tell you that it's okay to be desperate if desperation will lead us to be determined? There's a difference there. If we will allow our desperation not, not to cause us to make stupid decisions and choices and take matters into our own hands, but become determined that if we're waiting, we're waiting on purpose. And if we're waiting, we're waiting on a reason. There's a reason that Jesus is not here now, but we can be determined to wait on him, to wait him out. Here's why. If, if we're not careful... Our desperation will cause us to operate in our own plan. And our own plan will get us in trouble. And our own plan causes us to settle for substitutions that never produce life. But if we will wait on him. That, in fact, scripture teaches us to wait on him. Right? Am I, am I, uh, come on now. Do you know, your, you know your Bible, right? The Bible says that those that wait on the Lord. Why would he tell us? That we will be renewed in our strength if we wait on the Lord. If he didn't know, there are going to be moments in life where you got to wait. You got to. Even if you don't want to. Because the truth is, is the prince is coming, but he's from a far off place sometimes. And he'll arrive in time. Listen, your time is coming. Your prince is on the way. He is coming for you. He has healing in his wings. He has financial breakthrough. He has destiny and purpose. But you have to wait on him to arrive. Delay does not mean denial. T turn to your neighbor right now and say, hey, just wait. Just tell him, just wait. Just, just wait. Come on, just learn to wait. 
on him. Now, the, here's the lesson I want to teach you real quick. That's not, I didn't put it in your notes, and you don't have to write it down because it doesn't necessarily parallel the fairy tale story, but I think it's important for us to make mention of it. In the account in Mark, Jesus shows us that there are three types of individuals that you will experience while you're waiting. The first type of individual that are people that you will, inter, uh, that you will encounter are interruptions. <coughs> Jesus experiences this. This guy says, hey, I need you to heal my daughter. And a woman with an issue of blood shows up and she interrupts the plan. Can you, can you even think, I, I, in my own mind, sometimes I get in it in my own mind, I, I'm thinking if I'm Jairus over there, I'm like, Jesus, come on now. Let's snap to it. D dismiss her. She's an interruption. This is not the plan. I want to say this to you this morning that some interruptions are not intrusions. They are assignments. And rather than detours, they are divine appointments. A lot of you deal with interruptions in your life. There are people that interrupt you. They're not on your agenda. And if you're not careful, because they are interruptions, they become annoying. See, I knew I, knew I was in the right house. All right. So how do you know whether or not an interruption is really a divine assignment for you or not? Because all of us interrupt, are interrupted all the time. I, I get interrupted like squirrel. Like, I'm interrupted all the time. How do I know whether I should chase that squirrel or not? Can I help you? Jesus deals with this interruption because it lined up with his purpose. I want to remind you that Jesus said he came to heal. So when this lady interrupts him with her sickness, that sickness lines up with his purpose. So she's not an interruption. She's an, she's an assignment. So, so I want to show you that, that the interruption is important because it helps him fulfill his purpose. Some of you are missing assignments because you see interruptions as annoyances. But if they line up with the purpose of God for your life, they're not an interruption, they're an assignment. It may not have been your plan, but it was his plan. And I want you to notice what happens. If they are a part of the, your purpose, you should deal with them because they set you up for greater things. I want you to notice that because Jesus stops and deals with this woman with a sickness, he then walks into a situation where he goes to a greater level of glory and he doesn't just heal, he resurrects. And some of you keep avoiding God-designed, assigned interruptions that would prepare you for greater levels of glory if you would stop and deal with them. That's the first group. The second group is easy. The second group is the kind of people that come into your life and they try to stop you. Jesus just dismisses them. And I just want to tell you this morning that there are certain people in your life that all they want to do is stop you from fulfilling the plans and purposes of God. And they're not just a distraction and they're not just an interruption. They are trying to stop you. And you should follow the instructions and the example of what Jesus did and just dismiss them altogether. And then there's a third group. And the third group are the kind of people that you can take into even the most difficult situations and they will still believe and they will still have faith and they will stay with you. Jesus said, hey, you guys right here, Peter, James, and John, we're going to keep going. Even though they say she's dead, I need you to come with me and believe that something's going to happen. And they follow and they believe. 
There are some people in your life that are like that that you can take into the most difficult circumstances and situations and they will still believe and think that God can do what he said he would do. You should keep those people close to your life. You should hang on to those people. You should believe in those people and you should welcome them and take them into every situation of your life. That's a free lesson. The second lesson I want to teach you this morning is out of the fairy tale and out of the account is this. Don't mistake sleep for death. Some things have been dormant in our life for so long that we begin to think they're dead. Okay, that was better than you looked at me. I'm going I'm to land right here for a minute. I, I just need to teach you this morning. I know this out of my own life. I know this out of the fairy tale. I know this out of Mark chapter 5. You can mistake sleep for death. This fairy tale teaches us that when everybody around you is asleep, and everybody else around you has given up hope. And everybody around you has counted you out. There is still life in you. In Mark chapter 5, what Jesus is teaching us is that when everybody else is signing off on your death certificate, when everybody else is about to put a, a toe tag on your dreams and on your purpose, and when everybody else has counted you out, there is still life down on the inside of you if you won't mistake sleep for death. These people try to convince Jairus to give up. I want to ask you a question this morning. How many people do you have in your life that are speaking over your life trying to get you to give up? Well, Jesus said this, 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 and this. Well, you go, he ain't never going to show up. That was 25 years ago. Forget what he said. That dream is dead. That dream is gone. That plan is over. You need to get a new plan. You need to get a new dream. You need to get a new destiny. All that stuff that God promised you ain't never going to happen. Why don't you give up on that? Who do you have in your life that's constantly speaking death to you, over you, over the promises of God? They're saying it's gone. You can't fulfill this. It'll never happen. Can I tell you this morning that there are people all around us that too often mistake things in our life that have taken a long time to come to pass as dead, but they're really just asleep. They're just dormant. And all they really need is a word from the prince. They just need a visit from the prince from a far off land to show up and say that this is still alive. This promise that I gave you when you were 12 years old around a, an altar at a youth camp, you may have forgotten it. You may have counted it out. You, people have said you'll never fulfill this destiny in your life, this call on your life, that that's over. But I'm telling you that sometimes we mistake things as, as, as dead that are simply sleeping. See, there are some folks who haven't been invited to your party that will want to speak death over you. And you need to distance yourself from them. Jesus can show up. And even though life has changed, and even though... Uh, the, 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 the steps that have, there's, uh, how do you say, a, a lot of water under the bridge. The day is different. All I know is this, is that he has the ability with one word to take you by the hand and pull all your dreams and promises back to life and speak life into you. See, this account teaches us that there are some things in your life that seem to be long gone, dreams that seem to be deceased, promises that may now seem improbable, that too late, too far gone, hopeless, lifeless, but when the prince shows up, he can speak life. Jairus had a decision to make. Jairus is confronted with this decision. He has, he has approached Jesus, and he said, I need you to heal my daughter. 
People come, they're death dealers. That's who they are. They come with a pronouncement of death. He, Jairus has had, I don't, know, I don't know how, I guess he was well known, I don't know, but he has direct access to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the, the Son of the living God, and, and he's got his attention enough that he's going to come to his house. And these people show up and say, your daughter's dead, leave Jesus alone. You, 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 you got to quit bothering Jesus. He's got other stuff to do. And Jairus had a decision to make. I can either stop right here and believe what they're saying and give up hope. Or I can follow Jesus to my house and let him do what he wants to do. I, I, I have to ask you this morning. Maybe you're here. And everybody around you is saying, just give up. You're never going to be healed. You're going to have to live with this condition the rest of your life. Maybe you've gotten a, a, a death sentence from a doctor that said, hey, you're never going to get over this. It's, it's just a matter of time. This, this is the end for you. This is how it all ends. I've already seen the end of the story. And this is how it's going to end. Maybe in a relationship... Maybe you're thinking, there's nobody for me. Or maybe the only ones that keep showing up are like crazy. And I, there can't, there can't be anybody for me. Maybe you're in a marriage relationship and it's so bad that you're thinking, I got to get out of this because this is hopeless. And there's no, there's no hope. There's no way out. There's no way for this to be fixed. Words have been spoken. The pain has been inflicted. The decree is about to go out. I can't live like this. I've got to do me now. I've got to be happy. And I'm not going to live like this. And you're about to throw the, say, there's the towel. I throw it in. I quit. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.